0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. feel that the Lord has a word today for you that's been brewing on my heart this week and um, let's see where it goes. God has been doing some extraordinary things in this church last week and continues to do so and we're in a great season of what God is doing. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. Lord, we can go from worship to notices to word, but you never change. (laughs) You're still here. Your presence is here. And I just pray today, God, just speak into our hearts. Help us to receive your word and may it lift people today. Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel chapter 3. We're going to look at the story today of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I can never say that very well, but I think it's Abednego. I used to say Abednego when I was at Sunday school. Abednego. And we're going to look at the story, many of you have heard it, of going into the fiery furnace. And this story, as many of you should know, if, you, if you've read your Bible uh, in, or you've been to Sunday school, will know that this story is about three Hebrew boys who decide to defy what King Nebuchadnezzar says in order that they serve their God and they face a furnace from that. And King Nebuchadnezzar threatens them and says, you know, if you don't do what I say, you don't worship this idol, then this is what the consequences are going to be. This is what's going to happen to you if you don't follow me and you choose to follow your God. So we're going to just pick up right at verse, because there's a lot of text here, but pick up at verse 13 uh, of Daniel chapter 3. And this is when... These three Hebrew boys respond by not wanting to do what Nebuchadnezzar, or I'll call him King Neb. It's a bit easier. King Neb wants them to do. Verse 13 says, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... (laughs) That you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, that's interesting, isn't it? But even if he doesn't, you know, they, they, they trust him, but sometimes in life we trust God, but actually you've got to have an attitude of faith that says, even if God doesn't. We, we love singing the song, he gives and takes away, but we don't like singing the takes away bit, do we? But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, amen, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I wish they were not put it in so many times as this, came out of the fire. And satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, defied the king's command, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Wow, I got through that. Amen. I need a round of applause, I think, for that. All those Shadrachs. I didn't mean it. The title of the message today is this, Firewalkers. Firewalkers. I want to talk to you today about this story and what it means for you in your life and many people here. And by the way, I really believe God wants to touch lives today. Because when I read this story, and I, I used to hear it a lot, my granddad used to share this in, in Sunday schools when I was younger. And he used to even sing on the piano, my God is so big as well. But I don't know about you in life, but sometimes we travel through our Christian journey. We, we travel through our lives. And we're doing all the right things. We we feel like we're doing all the right things for God. And then all of a sudden, we feel like we end up in a place where we're in a furnace. And we feel the heat of the problem. Do you agree with that? I'm sure everyone does. All of us in some stage, whether you're not right now or some stage in your life, you're going through the motions. You're doing your bit for God. You're serving God. But then you find like you've walked right into... A fire. And when I read this story, I find it amazing because all they're doing is, is serving God. But yet they find themselves in this terrible, terrible situation. A number of years ago, I was, I was driving out with Lewis, my young boy, and I was taking I can't remember where we were going, but I planned to go somewhere. So I set off on the motorway, and then I was going to jump off the A14 off a junction and to go up another A road to get to where I was going to go to. And so we were driving down the A14, and he sat in the front with me, and I was just there was just me and Lewis on our own. And as we, as we pulled off the A14, literally it was one of those short junctions. We went round a bend, and as we turned off the bend, straight in front of me was this car blocking the way on fire in the slip road. So I, I couldn't go past it, and all I could do is either sit there and think, is this thing going to explode? Do I get out and walk around it? Do we ain't abandon the car? Or do I try and reverse back onto the A14, which I can encourage you is not a great idea. Because it's what I did. I I was sat there, and Lewis was asking me all the questions. Dad, what's wrong with that car? And I'm saying, the car's on fire, son. This thing was roaring. The heat off it, you could feel the heat. The, the flames were roaring. It got to the tank, and... And so we were sat staring on this slip road, which I didn't know that this fire was going to be there, because as soon as I pulled off and I went around the bend, never even expected it. But as I pulled off, saw it, I was almost trapped in this situation of, how do we move forward to the destination we're supposed to be going to, or do I reverse onto a dangerous road? I'm stuck. I've got a little boy asking me what to do, and I don't know what to do. And some of us in life are like that sometimes. we're we traveling on the road, we're going at full speed, God is doing great things, then all of a sudden you pull off your slip road, you pull off that little road, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, you never expected it, but a fire comes in your life, something happens that you never expected, And you ask God, God I didn't plan this, I didn't want this, I didn't ask for it. I was moving at this speed, this momentum for you. I was serving you God. And all of a sudden you find this fire. The question is do you turn around and leave or do you stay And go through the fire. Let me tell you when God puts a fire or allows things in your life. He wants to refine and bring out the best in you. The problem is some of us sometimes the heat of the fire is so strong. The devil starts to use that so that you turn around and you give up on the destination that God has called you. I'm asking you today to be A firewalker, someone who can go through the fire, someone who can walk through whatever is in front of you. Why? Because the fire of the Holy Ghost is so much stronger in you. You see, when they decided not to bow down to this idol, it says in verse 19 that Nebuchadnezzar was furious. And it says his attitude changed towards them. Can I just say this? When you defy what the enemy is trying to put against you, when you start to obey God and not listen to what the enemy is trying to control in your life, can I tell you what happens? It changes the attitude of the enemy towards you. It riles him. It riles him. Nebuchadnezzar was a symbol of what Satan is like on your life today. If you don't obey him, you don't follow what he wants and trying to steer your life, I'll tell you what he'll do. He will change his attitude. Some people said to me, when I became a Christian, the more good things I do for God, I seem to get more attacks. Well, welcome to the club. Because I'm finding recently that the more good things and the more things I press into and push into with God, the more fires come. I want to ask you today, how, how hot is the fire of the Holy Ghost in your life? Because that will determine how you walk through fires. When the The consuming fire that rages in your heart is stronger than the fire that you walk through. How hot is that fire? Because it will determine whether you turn around, go back, or you walk through. Let me tell you, those who walk through will be refined, will come out better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to stop focusing on the attitude of the enemy and start focusing on the magnitude of God. Our God is big. He's so strong. He's so mighty. It's time to stop looking at the attitude of the enemy that when you trust God and He gets angry with you and things in life start to get worse, you start to trust God. You trust in His, the magnitude of who He is. Not the attitude of the enemy. Satan will always attack you. Because he knows your potential. Look at the book of Job. You read Job alone. The moment someone has potential, Satan wants to come. Have you considered my servant Job, says God? The enemy wants to come, steal, kill and destroy. That's his objective. Don't let your fire ruin your faith. Let it refine it. Don't let it ruin it, let it refine it. We have a choice to make. I do, you do. We've all got choices to make about what we're going to do about the fire that we're facing. But let me tell you, if we choose right, God will use it for the better. There is hope. It's not all, all dim. There's hope that when you trust in God, and it's hard, but you trust in God, that God will bring about the best. In whatever circumstances you are now walking through in your life. Number one today. I want to bring a few points. But the first is this. When you're facing the fire. When this fire is in front of you. Number one. I want you to walk in God's rhythm. What do I mean by that? Let me tell you something. It's interesting because King Nebuchadnezzar. He says this. He says. If you don't. When you hear the music, all kinds of music. He doesn't mention saxophone, does he, Mirek? Missing out there. The flute, the lyre, all these different things. But he says, it's it's interesting. And and, and if you look at this whole story, that this this image has built up. And actually, just previously, he's had a dream that Daniel has interpreted about a a statue. And now he's building a statue. And actually, this would have been built in Iraq. Iraq. So we, we, we're looking, this story we're talking about is happening right in the heart of Babylon. And so they would have, they, they build this, he builds this statue and he says this, he, said, he doesn't just say just bad down, to, he says, when you hear the music, so you, you hear the sound of the music roar, then I want you to change what you're doing, change your pattern of life So that when you hear the rhythm, when you hear the music, all different kinds of music, when you hear the rhythm, my rhythm, Nebuchadnezzar says, when you hear that rhythm, I want you to change what you're doing and bow down. Do you know what? Satan does exactly the same with you today. When you see things that tempt you, when you see things in your life that distract you, All it's ever trying to do is change your rhythm of faith with God. He says, I want you to follow this rhythm. I want you that when you hear the sound of the music, I want you to bow down to my idol. But listen, the enemy is trying to do that with us today. When you hear this, when you get tempted with this, when you feel like you want to do this, I'm distracting you to bow to me, to change your rhythm. Do you know rhythm's important? I know that because, isn't it great we had a drummer this morning, thanks to Elena. The timing, if you have a bad drummer, let me tell you, you know about it. The whole band's out. In times, in the past, I've played the drums and I've been a little bit out of time. We didn't have the technology then. And everyone's looking. I've got Alan looking at me thinking, what's going on here? If the drums are out and the bass, the drums and the bass are a key component. But the drums, the rhythm of a song. If the rhythm's out, the whole band's looking around. The people in the worship are like, what's going on? They blame the whole band, but it's just the drummer. You know, drummers. They, there's a lot of pressure on the drummer. But can I just say, just get this today. Because your faith in God, there's a rhythm to it. There's a rhythm to what you're doing. And there's a rhythm in each day when you're serving God. God brings you into that rhythm. And what happens is the enemy knows that he cannot steal your salvation. But what he can do is ruin your pattern. He can ruin your rhythm. If you ruin someone's rhythm, it brings chaos. It brings disruption. It brings to the point where it affects more than one person. Because it's not just the one who's lost the rhythm, but it's all of the band. And what's happening in your life is the moment you lose your rhythm, the enemy knows that it's going to affect so many people around you. And so what he wants to do is he says, I can't steal your salvation. I can't take away the fact that you're doing great things for Jesus. I can't do that. But one thing I know I can do, if I just turn up the music, if I turn up the disruption, if I turn up these things in your life so that you begin to bow down to my ways again, your rhythm will change. Your pattern will change. If I can change your pattern, I'll change your faith. And you'll give up on God. In all the things, when Job went through what he went through, he didn't give up on God. Thank God. He kept the pattern. He kept the rhythm. He kept the rhythm. I'm not a good dancer. My wife will tell you that. But I can play the drums to a point. Not as good as these guys. But listen, the rhythm of your faith is so important. And I want you to get this today. That what God is doing in your life, the enemy is seeking not to steal your salvation. He can't take that, but he'll take your rhythm. When you hear the music, when you hear what I'm up to, when you see what I'm doing, when you see that everyone else does this, just change your life. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern, the rhythm, shall I say. I know it's not in the message, but it's my version. Don't conform to the pattern. A rhythm is a pattern. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. You see, we've got to walk differently, church. Galatians 5 says this in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Don't lose your rhythm. Don't lose your rhythm. The devil is after your rhythm. Walk in the spirit step by step. The new King James version says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk, walk in the spirit. I put here that intimidation can't change your position with God, but will target your rhythm of faith in God. Intimidation won't steal it, but it will target your rhythm of faith in God. I went out just the other day. I, was, I thought, I'm going to start running again. Get a bit of exercising. So I went for two runs last week. I was exhausted. Did two runs and, and for the first time in a long time, just picking it up ready for summer. And, uh, and I went for these runs and... I put on some music, because I don't know about you, but if I put on, the faster the music, the faster I run, it's great. It's a great way. Just, I speed up, find a fast song, and then I just, and I, I was like, you know, I was running like lightning. But then all of a sudden, I put on YouTube... And if you've ever put on YouTube, it selects other songs then. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of my flow of running, and I'm, I'm running, I feel like I'm, if you remember Rocky Balboa in the films, I'm running, and I'm thinking, I, I, I'm so cool here. I'm running so fast. Then all of a sudden, YouTube flips to some slow worship song. Mate, it, was like, it was like the chariots of fire. <laughs> slowing down. It's amazing. The tempo, the rhythm, the change will change your momentum. Changes your momentum. Things in our life will try to change our pattern and our momentum. God wants you to walk in his rhythm. Galatians 5. Galatians 5 has got a lot of good stuff. But Galatians 5 uh, verse 7 says, You were running a good race, says Paul. He says, You were running a good race. Then he says this, who cut in on you? Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? I'm going to just translate that for you into my language today. You were running such a good rhythm. Who cut in? What cut in on you? What changed your rhythm to stop you from obeying what you started with in the first place? What changed your rhythm to do something different? Who, it's interesting, doesn't just say what. Who cut in on you? What changed your rhythm? There are are sometimes things in our life, there are are things, people around us that are trying to change the rhythm. Who cut in on you? Daniel 3 verse 19, King Nebuchadnezzar, he says this. He he realizes they ain't going to listen to me. They're serving some other God. They, they don't even care about the fire. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I saw that furnace, I'd be a bit scared. You know, I'd be very scared. What was happening in their hearts must have been God. You do not face a furnace, see pretty much the whole of that Babylon region bowing down, and the three of you stood up there thinking, that's it. That fire, I know that fire he's got hot. You've got crowds of people bowing down when the music kicks off. And there's just three of you stood amongst, I don't know, could be hundreds, thousands. And you stood there. I don't know about you, but the temptation would be to change my rhythm and to get down with the rest of them. But to stand there, the intimidation, then to then go on and walk towards the fire. And then the king says this, right I'm turning this thing up seven times hotter than it normally is. I'm going to scare you even more. Because what he wanted is he wanted their lives. He didn't want to kill them off. He wanted them to obey him. Seven times hotter. What do you think now, boys? Seven times. Dave Jones would like that, wouldn't he? Seven. If anyone's not laughing, that means you don't come to Bible 360 seven times hotter. It's a lot hotter. And so the intimidation comes. The intimidation comes and the heat increases again to change their rhythm. I want to tell you today, when the fire, when you face the fire, the heat increases, maintain your rhythm in God. Maintain your rhythm. Number two, when you're in the fire, When you're in the fire, walk in God's freedom. Hallelujah. You see here it says this. Verse 24. King Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, Your Majesty. He said, Look, I see four men. I see four men walking in the fire unbound and unharmed. And the fourth Looks like the son of the gods. Wow. Now we don't know whether that was Jesus or an angel. He says it's, he later on, he says one of the angels came to rescue. But to say what he said, that the sons of the gods, we we believe that could be Jesus himself. But whether it's Jesus or an angel, Jesus is involved. Amen. (laughs) Come on. And so he looks in and he sees in this furnace four men. But I want you to just get this a moment. When they took up to the fire, it says that they were bound so tightly that they couldn't move. But when they're thrown into the fire, they're then found to be walking unharmed and unbound. Can I just say something? God's grace over your life will allow you, when you're facing a fire, when you're facing a test, when you're facing a challenge because you trusted God, you took a step of faith for God, you walked into something that was a big, big jump for you. When you did this, you were restricted, things were difficult, things were challenging, you felt like, I'm trusting you, God, my hands are tied, I don't have much freedom, but I'm doing everything I can to trust you. And you're even thrown into that situation. It's interesting that when he's, they're thrown in, now they're unbound. God gives you grace to walk around your fire. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, I know that when God sends me into a fire, and sometimes it's for to test me, to build out the best in me. Actually, what he does is, the world says, if you go in there, it's seven times hotter. This is the outcome. He gives you the grace to walk around a fire. You see, they didn't go in and lay on the floor bound. God loosens them. He allows you to walk up to a fire and walk in a fire. <laughs> he allows you to walk in the fire as well as up to the fire, even if the devil bound you on the way in. Walk in God's freedom. If you're in the middle of a fire right now, you're in the middle of a challenge because you trusted God. Let me tell you, He's given you the ability to walk. You're saying it's hot in here though, it's a bit hot. I don't like it in here. It was much better outside. He's saying, stay there. Keep walking. Keep walking. Why? Because I've just put someone in the midst with you. There's a fourth man. There's a fourth one. Let me tell you today, you're walking unbound in your fire. Why? Because it's God's grace. It's God's grace and he will give you a counsellor. He'll give you a helper. He'll give you one who walks beside you in the fire. Hallelujah. Isaiah 43.2 says, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Can I just say that word for someone today? That God wants you to know that whatever's happening in the surroundings of your fire, you will not be burnt and you will not be set ablaze. You will not be burnt. You see, I put here that those who choose to walk with God in the absence of a fire are ready to walk with God in the presence of a fire. If you walk with God before your fire and your walk with God is led by the Holy Ghost, when the fire comes, you're able to walk. Why? Because you know who to follow. In your fire, in the darkest of your moments, you know the voice. Why? Because you knew the voice outside the fire. You, knew, you know which person to follow in your fire because even though it's really hard and difficult because the flames are seven times hotter, it's really hot in here. I can't take this anymore. It's really hard in here. Listen to me. The same voice is there. It's just maybe a little quieter than normal. But God is cheering you on in heaven. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. Hear my whisper. You know me you know I will never leave you or forsake you. I want to tell you today, if you can just hear a faint whisper, if you feel like you can't hear God speaking at the moment, I'm telling you now, He's there. He's there. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't leave you or forsake you. You see, the ability to withstand a fire depends on the king you follow. They served the king of kings. I don't know if you noticed this in verse 22. It says, the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. On their way up to the fire, it says before they even got to the fire, the soldiers that took them were dead. Let me tell you, doesn't this paint a picture of your life today? If we serve Satan... If we follow the ways of the world, the wages of sin is death. Depends which king you follow. Because they followed God. So they were able to go further than the men. Can I say that God will give you eternal life? But the wages of sin is death. You follow the wrong king. You follow the wrong king. There's an expiry on your life. You only get so far. Oh yes, because the Bible says in Matthew 17, I think it is, that wide is the road that leads to destruction. You see, if you're standing amongst many people and they all listen to the music and bow, if there's only a few of you, I'll tell you what it is. It's the narrow road. But the narrow road leads to life. The wide road leads to destruction. Let me tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, don't follow the enemy. Don't follow Satan because there's an expiry on your life. Follow the narrow way, the the road that leads to life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They followed direction that led to their destruction. Can I say that no matter how far, I'm not talking about decisions that have got you into a place where you've just served God and you find a test of a fire. Do you know what? There are people here right now, and I just sensed the Holy Spirit wanted me to share this today, but you're in a fire because you've walked in the direction of sin. Your pattern of life has took you in a direction where the devil has took you so much on the wrong pattern. You're able now to walk alongside other Christians with rhythm, but you're offbeat You're working off beat. You're out of line with the people around you. Because why? You're doing the things of the enemy. You're doing the things of what Satan wants in your life. But now what's happening is you're able to keep coming to church. You're able to keep coming and dancing and singing. But actually what you're doing is you're dancing off beat. You're dancing differently to the rest. You change your rhythm. Some people end up in a fire of sin. Some people, right now in this room, you may be at the last ebb of your life. Things are going on that no one knows about, that feel like they're destroying you. Maybe addictions. I want to tell you a story what happened this week. One of the most, I've been ministering in this church for five years, seeing miracles, healings, and all manner of things. I, I will tell you now one of the most extraordinary things has happened to me this week that i 've ever seen yet in, in awe of how God works. I, we came to the prayer meeting on Tuesday night, prayed and had such an amazing time praying to God, and uh, one of the things I said right at the end of the service, I said this I said, now 's the time for us to step up and to to do things for God but I said. You know, a lot of people say, Jonathan said it last week, now's the time. Now's always been the time. It's not that now's the time in, in, in April or May that all of a sudden God's saying, now's the time to go. No, now's the time since the beginning. So that's not the case. The thing is, now's the time for us to stop being apologetic for being Pentecostal. Yeah. And actually to start seeing the fire of God moving in our services. Because I, I don't want to just have services that please people, that please the carnal mind. Come on. What is that all about? I mean, I, I, I go to some places and it feels like all we're doing is, is pleasing the flesh. It's, it's terrible. It's pleasing the flesh. So a lot of people go to, to worship services sometimes to see how their flesh is going to feel after it. You, the Bible never talks about how, how good you're going to feel after you've worshipped. In in terms of you, your worship is to glorify and magnify King Jesus. It's to lift him up whether you feel rubbish or not. Now, I'm not saying that we don't want to feel good. I feel great when I worship Jesus. I did this morning. But what I'm saying is it's not about us. And so I was saying the other day we need to start to change. And I got home and I was in bed that night. And all of a sudden, my cousin contacted me through facebook and sent a message and he waved to me and if anyone knows this they'd send a little wave and this 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 man is late 40s and two years ago he contacted me about two years ago and said phil i'm in a terrible situation my wife's kicked me out of the house i've got a car full of bags all my clothes and he goes i'm absolutely depressed and in that moment i shared jesus with him he, he's never been to church and this was a couple of years ago Shared Jesus, and he said the sinner's prayer in the can. It was amazing, so I shared with my parents and said, God has just done something amazing. And this was a couple of years ago, and then I never heard from him again. Because why? Because the enemy. When a seed's sown, the enemy's right there to grab it again. So I never heard from him. Until the other night, I'm laid there, and I get a message from this man again, my cousin. And it says... He sends this wave, and I just said, Hi, how are you doing? I've not heard from you for a while. Trust all is well. And he turns around to me, and he says this. He said, Phil, He said, my life is in a mess. He said, I'm in so broken. He said, my, my girlfriend, she's gone. Eight months ago, she, she's kicked me out. He says, and now, he says, I'm in a caravan in the middle of Skegness all on my own right now. I've come here for a few days. He says, but two weeks ago, I drove to Beachy Head to jump off a cliff to kill myself. And he tells me this on the text. This is my cousin. He says, I went two weeks ago to Beachy Head. He goes, and I never made it. He says, and now I'm, I'm just hearing it because I'm just trying to get my head together on my own because my life is in an absolute mess. So I, I, I'm sending these messages, and I just said, Well, listen, you know God loves you, Sean. He died for you. And, and I shared again with him and just tried to rekindle what, what was happening a few years ago. And, and then he started to say, thanks for your prayers. I, I really appreciate this. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Sean has pain now, in his, physical pain in his body. Ask him now. So I asked Sean. I said, Sean, I said, can you tell me, do you have physical pain now in your body? He responds back. And he says this to me. He says, I do. He says, I'm in crippling pain in my back. He says, I can't even walk 50 yards without being like a cripple. He said, I'm in agony. I said, well, I believe right now that over this phone, God is going to touch you in your caravan and release you of all the pain. And as I'm sat there, I'm praying and saying, God, you've got to do this because signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. And I don't care whether he's in a caravan in Skegness. I don't care whether I'm sat here on a bed. And the only means of me ministering is through Facebook. But you've got to set him free. And so he's, I said, will you do something for me? Will you put your phone now on your back? I'm going to write a message and I'm going to command all of this pain to get out of your body now. When it's on your back, the moment I press send, watch this. It will leave you. So he does. He puts the phone on his back. I wait a few minutes. I'm sending the message. I push send. I wait, and I'm I'm waiting for his reply, and I realize he's not replying because he's holding the phone. (laughs) And I'm just waiting waiting for that, you know, there's a few dots to come back. And so I'm waiting for the reply, and then he responds. I said, tell me, if 10 was where you were before in pain, where are your knives? Zero's nothing. I get a zero back. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. Now Listen. I then said, I then said to him, I said, you know pain? He says, I cannot believe what has just happened to me. I said, what? Tell me. He said, I stood up when I took the phone away. I stood up in the caravan. 30 seconds, my back went into a spasm and all the pain has completely left my body. I said, wow, is that amazing? He said, I'm in awe of what's just happened. If I could show you the messages, you would be amazed. It gets better. I said, okay. As I'm texting him saying this is amazing, he said, I cannot believe what's happened. There's nothing. I feel calm, relaxed. Then, and I want you to just get this. If there's any children, cover their ears up. I want you to get this because it's important you hear this today. But as I was sat there, this is my cousin who's never been to church. Doesn't go. doesn't talk the language. And I said, I felt the Lord say he has a demonic spirit that took him to that place to jump off a cliff. And I want you to pray for him now to be completely free. Because what you've done is you've prayed for the healing, but he needs to be free now. I thought, God, if I said that to him, what, what is he gonna say? So I said, listen, I sent another message. I said, Sean. I thought he's going to, this is it. This is the end of my relationship with him. I said, Sean, I want you to know something. I just felt the Lord speak to me and say that, you know, those thoughts you had about suicide and all that, that's demonic. I said, and, and God wants to set you free. I said, will you let me pray for you now for freedom? Now, some of you know from our missions last week, we saw lots of people get free. God is do, he's up to something and he's releasing something. And today he will. And so I said, I want to pray for you now. So I write another command. This time I command suicidal spirit to leave his body. And I said, I want you to lay down on your bed, put the phone onto your chest, and the moment I press send on this button, the demon's going to leave you. I thought, what am I doing? I thought, is Facebook going to kick me off for this? And so he does. He lays on the bed. He does what I tell him. This time I'm waiting again. The reply's not coming through. The next minute he replies back to me. And he says this, Phil, what has just happened? I said, what do you mean? He said, what has just happened? He said, Phil, I was laid on my bed the moment the phone touched my chest. He said, I went into deep convulsions, shouting and groaning in the caravan. My mouth filled with saliva. And then this thing just left me like I was possessed. Praise God. We've got a name for that. Deliverance through Facebook. Not from Facebook. Deliverance through Facebook. Listen. God can do the impossible. I'll tell you what it was. It wasn't nothing to do with his phone. Nothing to do with me. It was to do with his faith. When he took that phone in faith, God responds to faith. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so there and then in that little caravan in Skegness, he's set free. He says, he's been saying to me for days now, that what I experienced that night was out of this world. I'm telling you, the messages are unbelievable. I didn't see him. I've not even talked to him yet. He's been set free through messenger. Come on, we're in a seasoned church. No matter what fire you're in, no matter what cliff you think about jumping from, Jesus Christ can reach you right in the fire of where you are. And he can set you free and put you in a new place. Do you know what I said then? The Lord spoke to me again. He said, you ain't finished. He says, you've set him free. He's healed. Now, tell him he needs to be saved. I said, Sean, I'm telling you something. I'm sorry to say this, but you need to do something else. He said, what now? I said, listen, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Bible says that if you don't do that, you will give legal right to the enemy to come and possess you again. I said, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost right now in the caravan. I said, I've got a prayer. He said, send it to me. This was was Tuesday night, by the way, at three o'clock in the morning. Send it to me. I send the, the, the prayer to him. He says the prayer. He says, I've just said the prayer. I sent him a YouTube clip of reckless love. I said, listen to this, he said. I've listened. Do you know what he did then? He sent me, he says, I've just been searching, I found out a song by Danny Oates who you've had. He doesn't even know who Danny Oates is. He's been searching now for songs from Danny Oates. He says, I found this song and I'm in tears. I said, I said, send me the song, I want to hear it. I'll tell Danny, you've been crying at his songs. He sends the song. The song is unbelievable. The words are about being set free. That Jesus is everything. And he changes your life. And so now he's in the caravan listening to Danny Oates. Why? Because we have Danny Oates here. So he looks straight to our church. Then he finds a song. You might think that when Danny comes, it's a little treat for you. But God is working behind the scenes. God is not interested in whether we like to be the Danny Hutz. He's interested in finding the man in the caravan. That's what he wants. He wants to find him. He will chase the one. Hallelujah. Come on. He says the prayer. He receives Jesus. I've been in touch with him since. He's told me that he feels completely different. He says, I have not felt like this ever before. He said, I I cannot understand what's happened. He says, you tell as many people as you want. You can mention my name. And he says this, because what happened, happened. I said, praise God. I want to tell you something else now just to encourage you more, and I will finish. But even better than that then, he says all this. The next day I phone my parents, my dad's, it's my dad's. Nephew, to tell him, I said, Can I tell him, share this with my parents? He said, Yeah, tell who you like. I don't care. So I phone up my parents. I speak to my parents and I said, Mum, Dad, they're on the speak phone. I said, I've had an, an encounter with Sean. This is what's happened. And I, I didn't tell him the story. So I'm, I'm about to tell him. I said, God has done something with Sean in the caravan last night. My mum breaks down in tears on the phone. She says to me, Phil, Before you tell me, she goes, the same day that that happened, I was in the house praying for our family. And she says, I began to cry out the names of our family who were not saved. But she said, I got to Sean and I began to cry out loud in the house, Sean guest, come to God. Sean guest, come back, come to the Lord. She says, the same day, church, this is what happened next. She says, I was crying out that loud. The Holy Spirit, I think it was the Holy Spirit, spoke to me and said, These, this only comes by prayer and fasting. So I decided to fast for Sean for the rest of the day and not eat my meals. I said, Mum, you don't even know what's happened yet. I told her what I've just told you. She broke down. We both broke down on the phone. And I said, "Mum, this is amazing, but do you realize the scripture that God spoke to you about is actually about demonic power? It's when the disciples can't cast the devil out. So they said, why can't we do this? He said, this only comes out by prayer and fasting. The Lord led Mum to fast, not just call his name, to fast for him. Then God puts him right in front of me. I respond and lead him, and he's set free through, through a mobile phone. God can set you free. Do you know what? I wrote here, and just to show the Holy Spirit is here today. Ruth shared a scripture all the way through, a song this morning, Psalm 103. And I wrote it down here. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion. Hallelujah. I don't know. I'm going to have to move quickly now. it's interesting when you look at this story, that Nebuchadnezzar, the way he watches them walk in the fire changes his walk. You see, people are looking at the way you walk in your fire. The way you walk might be your greatest witness. Because the way... They walk, causes Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 26, he says, He approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted them and said, Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Now, I read this and I thought, I've got a little problem with this because Nebuchadnezzar's just seen his soldiers, in verse 22, get killed when they went up to the opening. So if I were Nebuchadnezzar, I want to be pretty sure that this is God who's working. Because if I walk to the opening, I've seen what happens to people when they get to the opening. They die. But I see a fourth man, he says. And in faith, I'm going to walk towards this heat. And I've seen that my soldiers died, but I don't want me anymore. I want the most high God. And when you have that attitude, he'll save you from the fires of hell. He changes his walk. Let me tell you today, your walk could be your greatest witness. Finally, when you're leaving the fire, walking God's promotion. Are you okay with this if I just finish? You walk in God's promotion. Every fire you have is going to refine you and release you into something greater. It takes you into promotion. It says that when they came out, verse 27, there was no smell of fire on them. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean you can't smell fire. It's the smoke. So there was no smell of the smoke on their clothes. They were unharmed. There was, their hair wasn't singed. They were perfect. It looked like they'd never been in this situation. Do you know that if you smell smoke on someone, I'll tell you what it is. It's the molecules that's mixed with the molecules on them. And It's molecules of the past where they've been that. You can trace them. My kids went to Z's house yesterday for a barbecue. I didn't even need to know they'd been to a barbecue. I just smelt them when they walked in. It's amazing. They thought we were a prophet. I just smell them. If someone goes near a fire, the smoke gets on them, and the particles are there. When Emma was away recently, I went to the supermarket to get all my cleaning agents to clean the house before she got back. Spent a fortune, you know, just at the last minute trying to get to the house, spick and span. And I went, down the, 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 I went down the aisle and I see the, all the, the, the sprays to make the house smell nice. I thought, if I just spray that around, she'll think it's, it's been done. So I walk down the aisle and I see Febreze, odor-removing technology. What, amazing, isn't it? Just spray that and it gets rid of everything. I don't have to clean anywhere. So I got a bottle of this stuff, sprayed it around the house. It don't last two minutes. Spray it again. Spray it just before she walks through the door order removing technology over the kids who've not had a shower for a few days order removing technology stay still kids you see I'm, I'm a little bit like this I looked into what, what it is is Febreze for real? is it for real? because does it really get rid of the odors? and actually if you read about it it says this it uses a an active ingredient called cyclodextrin. And this is a little molecule that takes the molecules that smell and it traps them in like a cage. And the cage molecule that traps the smelly molecules, which there was a lot of in our house, it traps them and it stops them from hitting your nose receptors. So really, it doesn't remove the odor. It doesn't remove it. It masks it and cages it. So you can't smell it. Can I just say something to you today? That when you have been in the fire of sin and Jesus sets you free, He does not cage the problem. He does not use a technology that just stops you from smelling that thing from the past. No, it says he moves your sin, he removes them as far as the east is from the west. He gets rid of it. He's no Febreze. He eliminates the lot. He gets rid of the past. Some of you, Some of you have been walking through your life and you're saying that addictions that get hanging on to me. Listen, it's time to say I'm free. Because who the son sets free is free indeed. He's not caged for a moment. It's not a temporary thing. God doesn't cage your past. He clears your past. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us of all sin. He doesn't cage it. He clears it. Hallelujah. It says, verse 30, that the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let me tell you that when you go through your problems, when you go through your fire, there is promotion at the other side. Job got it. He went through the test and he saw God restore more back. Can I just say something to finish? I really felt the Lord just impress this on my heart about this last point for some here today. And that is this, that Some of us, when we face a fire and we're about to walk into a situation, maybe right now, you're facing sickness. You're facing financial issues, relationship stuff, anything. Whatever situation you're facing, the fire you're walking into right now, whatever that is, you've got a view in your mind that you know the way that fire burns, so you know the inevitable. But can I just say that God wants to take your inevitable to the impossible. He wants to get you to know today that what happens normally when you walk in a fire is not going to be the result for you. Because when they left the fire, they were free from the past. But then they were promoted. I want to tell you today, God has a different outcome than what you think. You think that fire is going to burn. It's going to do something. The doctors have said one thing. This is what happens with someone. This is is the verdict. This is what is said over this situation. Accept it. I want to tell you, God says to you today, don't accept what is said to be inevitable. You'll change your inevitable to be the impossible. Because I believe God is going to do a miracle in your life. And I don't just say that simply, but we've just heard stories right now of God setting people free. Hallelujah. You need to stay devoted to Him. Stay to the pattern of what God is doing in your life. Amen. Real devotion to Him leads to rightful promotion. Amen. i finish with this. James 1, 2 to 4. It says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know... That the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.